You're listening to the Northfield Radio Program, where faith, family, and culture all collide with the biblical worldview. There is a war that's raging for the hearts and the minds and the spirits of men and women. And you and I, as Christians, are on the forefront of that battle. The question is, what will you do? To find out more about the Northfield Radio Program and Caleb Gordon, go to www.calebgordon.com. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program. So excited that you're here with me. Oh, my goodness. Guys, fall is here. Ah! In my mind, September is a kickoff to fall. I know we're officially still, you know, in summer, but uh, 1st of September, fall is the official. It's here. I love this time of year. So, if you're looking for a great place to get something to drink, the pumpkin spice latte, all that kind of stuff, go check out my friends at Outpost Coffee. These guys have amazing caffeinated beverages. You do not want to miss out on what they've got to offer. Go check them out. Outpostcoffeeco.com. Okay, so on today's program, I want to talk about something that is uh, interesting to me, near and dear to my heart. Um, False religions. I want to talk about the idea of false religions. God's Word tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 3. It says, For a time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passion. And I found it interesting because I've had several um, things come across my Facebook with um, from the LDS, from the Mormons. And I wanted to talk about the LDS for a minute. I now here's the thing. I, I want to go up front and just say, man, I have I know several LDS people and they are amazing people. They are some of the nicest people you'll ever want to meet. They're the greatest neighbors. They are always super sweet, super helpful, super amazing. I love the Mormon people. I want to just say that up front. Now, here's what I find interesting though. Um Several years ago, when I was a kid, when I was a small kid, my mom and dad were church planners for the Southern Baptist Convention in Wyoming. While we were there, uh, we were, lived in a town called Wright, ba- I'm sorry, Wright, Wyoming, and mom and dad planted a church called the Wright Baptist Church. That was the name of the church. Um, and dad went out and he did what pastors should do. He went out and visited, went and knocked on doors, shook people's hands, talked to them about the gospel, shared Christ with people. Well... The Mormon church in Wright, Wyoming, caught wind of what dad was doing. And so what he they did is they found out where dad was going and who he was going to talk to and all those kind of fun things. They, they followed behind dad and went and knocked on doors as well. So dad would go knock on certain people's doors, talk to them about the gospel, about Jesus, and about what Wright Baptist Church was doing. Uh, the LDS church would come right behind dad after he was done and they would knock on the door and they, and they would start telling them, their missionaries would start talking about what the LDS church um, had to offer. And the people would say, well, we just met with Ed Gordon and he's our, he, we really like Ed, we're going to think we're going to go to Wright Baptist Church. They said, well, wait just a second, we're just like the Baptist, we just have more to offer. <laughs> and so... Dad caught wind of this because people were telling him, hey, listen, the LDS church is saying you're, we're just like the Baptists. We just have more to offer. And so dad 
made up a got found this reward poster with major Mormon doctrines that are controversial doctrines that a lot of people in the Mormon Church don't know about, and they he posted these reward posters around town, and he started getting phone calls in the middle of the night saying your blood will be required of you. Um, you're you're getting in essence death threats, and which if you study Mormon theology. That's an actual thing. They, they believe that they can, if you talk bad about the church, they can, you know, there's death threats and there's been times where people have died because they talked about the Mormon church. Okay, just so you don't think I'm making this up, this is called blood atonement. In Mormonism, blood atonement is a controversial doctrine which teaches the view that the atonement of Jesus does not apply because some crimes are extremely heinous. Instead, to atone for their sins, the perpetrators should be killed. Like that's that's a that's a doctrine that's taught in the Mormon Church. So, um, this went on for a while. This back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Dad finally sat and went to go meet with the head president in Wyoming uh, for the LDS Church. He went with his posters and his Bible. Sat down, and they the whole group of people sat at this table with uh, with my dad and said, "Why are you spreading lies?" about the Mormon church. And he said, I'm not spreading lies about the Mormon church. I'm just simply telling people what you believe because you, as the LDS church, have told people, we're just like the Baptist. We just have more to offer. That's not true. You're nothing like the Baptist, is what he said. You're you're nothing like us. You're completely different. And they said, well, a lot of people don't truly understand these these doctrines and they need to be at the church a little longer to really truly understand these doctrines. And so the reason I, I, I give that's a backstory. I, I've had several LDS things come across my Facebook page. And I, I want to talk about something I find interesting. That in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 10 it says this. But you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. All capital letters, L-O-R-D. That means, we're talking, that says the Lord. That that is God. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me, believe in me, and understand that I alone am God. There is no other God. There never has been, and there never will be. This is Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10. So I find, the reason I found this interesting is because one of the major doctrines that LDS, the LDS church teaches is that people, good Mormons, well, let me just back that up, good Mormon men, good Mormon men can obtain the level of godhood. And I, I thought, man, there's no way that they believe this. And I actually had a conversation with a missionary uh, this last summer, a couple of missionaries I met um, this last summer, and I talked to them and I asked them a question. I said, do you believe one day you're going to be a god? And he point blank said, yes, I, I believe I'm going to be a god. And I found in their teach, this is a, this is official word for word document from the LDS church. If a person receives exaltation, now, I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to, we'll dive into that further. If a person receives exaltation, they inherit all of the attributes of God the Father, including Godhood, period. Mormons believe that these people, people who who receive exaltation, will become gods in the afterlife and 
will have all power, glory, and dominion, and knowledge. Now, you read that doctrine from the Mormon church, and then you read Isaiah chapter 43, and it says, there is no other God. There never has been, and there never will be. So, there's your first clue that this is a false religion. If a religion teaches that you as a human being can obtain the status of God, they are a false religion. Now, I will also say there are people like Kenneth Copeland and the charismatic movement, people who are like Kenneth Copeland and um, those kind of people in the charismatic movement are teaching the same thing. They are teaching that you can become a God. Guys, no, that's not... If you read the Bible, if you just had the Bible in front of you and read the Bible, you couldn't come up with something that's crazy. This is from people who wanted to be able to do whatever they wanted to do in their church, and they couldn't. Joseph Smith, who was the founder of the Mormon church, was a bad guy. He was not an amazing person. He was not a nice guy. He was a man who had multiple, 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 multiple wives and mistresses and women that he slept with. That right there kills the idea of him being an elder. You say, how do you know that, Caleb? Well, 1 Timothy chapter 3 gives the qualifications of an elder. It says, therefore, an overseer or an elder must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. There you go. He had multiple wives. I'm not talking about, like, get a divorce and got a new one. I'm talking, like, multiple women lived with him at the same time. He was engaged in polygamy. So, there's the first one. He, he, that's, it's over with, done. The wife, the uh, husband of one wife. Sober-minded, self-controlled. He was not self-controlled. How do I know? Because he had multiple wives. He had sexual things that he wanted to achieve and accomplish. And so, therefore, he could not be an elder. So, there's point number two of how... You can knock this out of the park. Joseph Smith was not a divinely inspired man. He says, well, he went. In, there was a, he was in a field and he received uh, these golden tablets from Moroni, the angel. Which here's the deal. I believe he really did probably meet this Moroni. I think he was a demon, but I don't think he was. An, I don't think he was a, a godly angel. Now, how do I know this? Now, listen to this. Galatians chapter one tells us, listen to this, chapter 1, verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be damned. Now, what did this angel come and tell Joseph Smith? There's another way. You can achieve salvation through your works. How do I, And they believe in salvation through works. How do I know? Because in... 2 Nephi, verse 25, I'm sorry, 2 Nephi, chapter 25, verse 23, this is the Mormon Bible, says, For we know that it is by grace that we have been saved after all that we can do. That is a works-based salvation. Now, how do I know that that's contrary? Because when you read God's word, it says, For by grace have you been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is not a work, lest anyone should be able to boast. So, that goes against God's word. It's contrary. If your church teaches you have to do something in order to achieve God's salvation, 
it's no longer salvation. It's you doing the work. And it's God who does the work, not me. Not me. So, this is something else that I found interesting in their teachings, that this is, they believe that you are saved by your works. You're saved by grace after all that you can do. So you work really hard, and after you work really hard, God's grace comes in and picks you up. Uh, no. You cannot work your way to salvation. You are dead in your trespasses. According to Ephesians chapter 1, you're dead in your trespasses. Jesus had to bring you to life. So, therefore, you're saved by grace through faith. Not of your works. Not of yourself. So that's one aspect of their doctrines that I find heavily in error. And something else I found interesting just on it from a social level that Mormons used to teach up, to, up until 1979, they believed that anyone who was dark-skinned could not be a part of the priesthood because uh, they were dark-skinned and that was a sign that they were um, cursed by God. Francis Chan, who is a pastor out of California, he's an Asian pastor out of California, had an interaction with Mormons who showed up at his house, and he tells the story about this interaction, and, and he asks them the question about race. You guys got to hear this interesting, interesting dialogue. That's my struggle with this, and I, and I said, let's take the issue of even some of the other beliefs that you have. I go, let's take blacks. I goes, you guys didn't allow blacks into the priesthood until when? And he said, 1979. I said, because you believed they were cursed by God, right? He goes, yeah, that was the mark of God's curse, was their black skin. And I said, okay, well now, how about, how about me? I, I said, I'm not, I'm not black. I mean, summer I get pretty dark, you know. I, 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 but, you know, just honestly, I go, seriously, I go, what, what shade of black, you know? And they said, well, any shade. I said, so the whiter you are, you know, the more pure. He goes, yeah, any, any, pick, any, any color showed that there was some of that in your background and showed that you were part of those who received this, this curse from God. And I said, and isn't it strange to you that that ban was lifted in 1979, you know, after the... And they're like, no, it makes perfect sense to me. And I go... I go, that's, see, I go, I can't get that. I, I can't get that from here. So when he says, I can't get that from here, he's talking about the word of God. He's holding up God's word. He said, I can't, how do you pull that off? How can you pull that? If people have dark skin, they're cursed by God. You can't, no, 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 no. And he said it, and I found it interesting. All that shifted because in 1979, what happened? They started getting lawsuits. There was lawsuits that were brought up. Racism lawsuits, which they should have been brought up. Racism lawsuits. So, I, there's so many things that they teach. Guys, I'm telling you, we need to be careful. And the reason I'm saying this is because if I'm getting advertisements for the LDS on, on my Facebook feed, and I understand Mormonism, how many people are seeing that and being proselytized and wooed by the Mormon church? But, I mean, we're just like every other major denomination. We're just like the Baptists. We're just like the Methodists. We're just like the Wesleyans. Blah, blah, blah. Just, just go down the line. No, they're not. They're not. The, here's another one. Here's another doctrine that they teach. Satan and Jesus are brothers. That Jesus and Satan were brothers of, of God. Like the, the God the Father, and then there was Satan and Jesus. 
and they, there was a council, and they met with God the Father, and they both had an idea for salvation for humanity, and God just liked Jesus' plan better. That's the reason Satan is who Satan is today, is because there's become this big rivalry, because Satan didn't like Jesus' plan, and God the Father chose Jesus' plan. So, what? Where did that come from? No, that's not taught in the Bible. Jesus and Satan are brothers? That's not taught anywhere. Ladies, here's a fun one. You ready for this one, ladies? If you, well, not even if you, but you're the men who become gods of their own planet, ladies, guess what you get to do in that new world? Ready? Drum roll, please. You get to become, you get to become a eternally pregnant woman, giving birth to spirit children, populating that new world. My wife has been pregnant a couple times, and she doesn't want to do that ever. That doesn't sound like a, a eternity of paradise. That sounds like a hell to be eternally pregnant. Now I'm out. I'm sure that if most women thought about that, I guarantee if you told the average Mormon woman that, hey, guess what? You know what's sure going to happen to you after you die? You're going to populate some God's spirit world. You're going to be eternally pregnant. How many, like, that's crazy to me. So this is why we have to understand God's word. We have to understand and, and do our homework on God's word. Like, because there's false teachers out there. There are people who are itching ears. They are, they are ready to rock and roll. And this is how, this is how the Mormon church does it, is they sell that they're just, I mean, they're just like every other major church. And they are nice people. I told you in the beginning of this. The Mormon people are amazingly nice. They just have very, very flawed and heretical doctrine. It's a false gospel. And God's word is very clear. If we or an angel from heaven comes to you and we get and we give you another gospel contrary to the one that's been preached out of the word of God. May that person be damned. That is really clear language. That's incredibly clear language. Read Galatians chapter 1. See where this comes out of. I'm telling you all, we need to be aware of what's going on around us because how do we, how do we engage Mormon folks with the gospel? You got you to do some homework. You got to have to know some stuff. Like, no... Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10, where it says that there is no other God. And just ask questions. That's when Mormons come to my house, I just ask questions. I say, hey, let me ask you this. Are you, you gonna, do you believe you're gonna be a God one day? And just ask them. And if they're an honest missionary, they'll say yes. Some will say, no, no, I don't believe that. Because maybe they don't know. I don't know. But ask them questions. Say, hey, man, are you gonna be a, you gonna be a God one day? And if they say yes, and say, hey, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10. How, how do you reconcile this? Isaiah wrote down in chapter 43, verse 10, says, there is no God, there's never been a God before, and there never will be after. So if there's, ne- there's only been one God, and he's the one who's worthy to be worshipped, he's the one who's wor- worthy to be praised, and just all that, how is it that you, that, doesn't that sound narcissistic and selfish, that you want to become your own God? Uh, yeah, it does. Wow. Okay. And just ask questions like that. 
Hey, Second Nephi 25 says that we're saved by grace after all that we can do. Doesn't that sound contrary to God's word? God's word says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. That is a mesh up. How does that happen? And while I'm on the roll, because I've, you know, obviously I've not had any Jehovah's Witnesses ads pop up on my Facebook, but I have had them come visit my house. You know, one of their doctrines that they teach? A hundred, there are only going to be 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses that make it into heaven. And according to Google, when I Google how many Jehovah's Witnesses are there worldwide, there are currently 8.4 million members of the Jehovah's Witnesses Church. Um, <laughs> there's a problem there. They only believe that 144,000 are going to make it into the afterlife, into heaven. And so I asked the question. I asked the last guy that came to my house. I asked this question. I said, "Hey, I, I got a question for you, sir." He goes, "Yeah, yeah, shoot, what is it?" I said, "You believe, or do you believe that there are only going to be 144,000 of you that make it into heaven?" And he said, "Well, yeah." I said, "Hey, there's millions of you guys in the church, in the Jehovah's Witnesses Church. How do you know you're going to be one of the 144,000?" And he looked at me with like, like a calf at a new gate, and he just goes, like, this is a, the talking point that he's probably been told by the church. He said, well, the Spirit bears witness with my spirit. I said, let me ask you another question. Because there's more than just good spirits. There's, there's evil, wicked, demonic spirits. What if that spirit's lying to you and making you believe a lie? It's telling you a lie. This dude's face literally sunk, and he's like, you know, I've never really thought about that. What? How do you not think about that? If you only have 144,000, they're going to get in. And there's 8.4 million in your church. There's going to be a whole bunch. Millions and millions and millions and millions of people are going to be thrown to hell that have gone to church and maybe lived a quote-unquote good life. So how do we rectify this? We're, we're not saved by our good works. We're not saved by our uh, our are good deeds. We're saved by the shed blood and the grace of Jesus Christ. We're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, by Jesus shedding his blood on the cross and dying for me and for you. He became the, the atonement. He stepped into the gap and he became the righteousness of God on my behalf. So when he died on the cross, he took my place. So when God sees Caleb Gordon, he sees Jesus Christ, not Caleb Gordon. And praise God for that. That is what I need in order to have salvation. That's the reason salvation is so... That's the good news. That's the gospel. That is the glorious good news of who Jesus is. We don't have to work our way into the kingdom. Jesus bought our ticket into the kingdom. When Jesus died on the cross, he bought our ticket. He saved us by his grace. He loved us. And he saved us. So here's what I want to tell you today. If you hear this and you're a Mormon, you're a Jehovah's Witness, I love you. I absolutely, I know, please, please, please hear that I absolutely love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you this. Your church is a false church. And I don't say that gladly. I don't say that with, with glee in my heart. I say that with a heavy heart because I don't want to see anyone doomed. And the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And he doesn't care how he gets you as long as he gets you. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to 
persuade you through the power of God's word to understand. It says, for the time is coming when people, this is out of 2 Timothy again, for the time will come when people will not endure sound teaching, but to have itching ears and they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander into, mabel, into fables, myths. Guys. So he continues there in verse 5. He says, As for you always, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist. That's I'm calling preachers. Share God's word. Share God's word with people. Be faithful to teach the word in season and out of season. Be faithful to this. So how do you find God's grace? First John 1 John 1.9 says, If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. Jesus is ready, willing, and able to forgive and to cleanse and to make right. Make right your heart. You can't do it. Your good works, your good deeds, you helping old ladies across the street, feeding the homeless, doing all that, those are great things, but that will not get you to heaven. How do you get to heaven? You get to heaven by God's grace alone. That's it. God's grace. So my hope is that you would pray a prayer of repentance and you would say, Father, I am so, so sorry. Something It doesn't have to be exact, but something that says God, to relay to God what God already knows. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've fallen short of your glory. I know that. And because I've fallen short, according to the word of God, the wages of my sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ provides a way for me to get out of this mess. God, help me. Save me. Redeem me. Forgive me, in Jesus' name, amen. That, that's it. That's how it's happened. That, how, that is how it happens. I love you guys. I hope this, this has not been a typical podcast, but I just, I felt compelled to talk about this. Uh, I've seen it on my social media, and I wanted to address it. And I wanted people to listen to this program to hear and understand the truth is that God loves you, and the gospel is that Jesus he is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through Him. It is by His grace alone, through faith alone, that you find salvation. Your works can't get you there. It's Jesus alone. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of the Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.